Good morning. It is so good to be together today at the Willow Avenue Church of Christ. I see that we have a number of visitors with us today, and we are glad that you are in our midst. It looks like our numbers are down. I see some large empty spots in the auditorium, and I know that there is a lot of sickness that is going around. My wife is amongst those. She has had a fever for days, and we've been trying to keep our distance from each other, and so a lot of the things she normally does for me, I've been doing, and it has been uh, difficult. I had to lay out my own clothes for the first time in three years, and yesterday, so if I don't match today, that's the reason why, and uh, trying to uh, cook my own food and going back and forth to the refrigerator while being in the wheelchair, it's been tricky. It makes you appreciate someone when they're down, and you actually get to see all the things that they do. Tonight is going to be questions and answers, and we've got some great questions. I always look forward to that. I think I'll use up all the questions I have tonight, so if you could turn in some more so that we can keep that going. I know that you enjoy it, and I enjoy doing that as well. Thanksgiving has passed, and we are officially into the holiday season now. And this is, in many ways, truly a wonderful time of the year. Amazing things happen during the holiday season, and we enjoy them. A man who was in World War II said that he was on the battlefield at Christmas Eve night, and he said both sides, the Americans who were over there and the Germans, began to sing Christmas carols. And he said by some sort of unspoken but mutual agreement on the day of Christmas, they did not fight. Hostages sometimes at this uh, season of the year are allowed to receive cards and packages. And this time is, is a time for family. You know the song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's a wonderful time of the year. It's my favorite Christmas song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's a time of aromas and turkey and dressing and pies and cakes. And it's a time of lights and tinsel and wonderment in the eyes of children. It's also a time when people typically pay more attention to those who are lonely and those who are needy. It's a wonderful time of the year, but it's also a time that brings about questions. Questions about Jesus, questions about paganism, questions about Hanukkah, questions about the birth of Christ. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning and deal with some of these questions. The title of the lesson this morning is this, I love Jesus even at Christmas time. Now, you might think that is a strange title. I've got three points in the lesson today. Number one is going to be, I love Jesus in no way. Point number two is, I love Jesus part of the way. And point number three is, I love Jesus in every way and every day. Point number one, I love Jesus in no way. Sometimes Christians wonder about Hanukkah at this time of the year. Sometimes Hanukkah is spelled with an H. Sometimes it is spelled with a C. Hanukkah is also called the Festival of Lights. Now, the word Hanukkah literally means dedication, and it celebrates the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem. Hanukkah is a Jewish festival, and it takes place on the 25th day of the Jewish month of Kislev. Typically, it falls in the month of December. And it's a time when present-day Jews give gifts to one another, and they practice feasting and so forth. 
Now, what about the history of Hanukkah? Actually, you cannot go to the Bible and find out about Hanukkah. Where do you find out about Hanukkah? You learn about Hanukkah in the Apocrypha, which is ancient, uninspired writings. Judas Maccabees is the one who gives us information about the history of Hanukkah. In the year 165 B.C., so about 165 years before the time of Jesus, the Jews were fighting against the Syrians, and they'd been fighting for three years. And finally, the Jews defeat the Syrians, and they run them out of Jerusalem, and they run them out of the temple. And the Jews go back into the temple, and they have a feast. They have a festival, and they clean the temple, and they get rid of the idolatrous Syrian gods, and they sweep it clean, and they went in to light the holy lamps, but they find out that they have only one cruise of oil. And so they light it, but of course that's not going to be enough. But then, according to Judas Maccabees, miraculously the oil just kept producing, and for eight days there was enough oil for the lamps to burn. Now, did that really happen? Well, there is history to back up the first part about the battle. There's no history, there's no evidence to back up the miracle of the lights. And in fact, I, I really doubt it. Uh, there's no history behind it. But anyway, there is one time in the Bible when Hanukkah is mentioned. As I mentioned a moment ago, Hanukkah means dedication. And the Feast of Dedication is mentioned in passing in the New Testament. I mentioned that it's also called the Festival of Lights. And of course, that refers to this supposed miracle of the lights at the dedication of the temple. And so today, when people celebrate Hanukkah, they do it with a menorah, which there's one here on the slide. The menorah has one candle in the middle, and then it has four on each side, representing the eight candles or the eight lights for the eight days that the, uh, the oil for the candle did not burn out. And they will light one each day of Hanukkah. Now, you can't find a description of Hanukkah in the Bible because it's not there. Did Jesus practice Hanukkah? I want you to bear in mind that the history of Hanukkah goes back to 165 B.C. That's 165 years before the time of Jesus. But the fact is there is no evidence that Jesus ever practiced Hanukkah. Now, Jesus did practice the three major Jewish feasts that were ordained by God in the Old Testament. Jesus practiced the Feast of the Passover. Jesus engaged in the Feast of Pentecost. Jesus engaged in the Feast of Tabernacles. But you never read about Jesus engaging in Hanukkah. Now, with that said, there is one time in the Bible when the Feast of the Dedication is mentioned. And it was from the scripture reading today. John chapter 10, in verse 22, listen to this. Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Hanukkah. And it is about this time of the year. In fact, in just a few weeks, it will be the season of Hanukkah. The Bible says, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, and the Jews surrounded him, and they said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you did not believe me. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. 
Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? And the Jews answered, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. Friends, I don't practice Hanukkah. I don't wish people a happy Hanukkah, and I'm never going to do that. Friends, the only time the Bible makes mention of Hanukkah is on this occasion, and it is the instance in which they said that my Savior is not the Son of God, and they sought to destroy Him. And those people today who practice Hanukkah are typically the people who disavow the deity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In their practice of Jewish traditions, they renounce the deity of the Savior of the world. They say, Jesus wasn't the Christ. And so point number one is, I love Christ in no way. That represents Hanukkah. Here is the second point. I love Jesus part of the way. Now, I want to ask you this question. When was Jesus born? You know what the answer is? The answer is, there is not a person alive who knows when Jesus was born. Now, somebody says, Don, what are you talking about? I don't understand. Everybody knows that Jesus was born on Christmas Day, December 25th. Everybody knows that. But the fact of the matter is, they don't know that. History doesn't tell us that. The Bible doesn't tell us that. I want to do two things. First of all, I want to give you an educated guess about the time frame in which the Savior was born, because nobody knows this. And then we're going to look at the Bible, and we're going to see if we can flesh out some details. Now, I told you no one knows, but there are some things that give us some hints. And then we're going to talk about December the 25th, and what do we know about that. Now, this is going to get a little bit deep, so I want you to listen very carefully. If you want to follow along, you can. It's in 1 Chronicles chapter 24. What do we know about the time frame in which Jesus was born? Can we speculate about the time frame? Well, we know that shepherds were keeping their sheep, but that seems kind of ambiguous, so let's go deeper than that. Here we have a hint in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, beginning in the first verse. Now listen. Now these are the divisions of the sons of Aaron... The sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died before their father and had no children. Therefore, Eleazar and Ithamar executed the priest's office. And David distributed them, both Zadok, the sons of Eleazar, and Ahimelech, the sons of Ithamar, according to the office of their service. And there were more chief men found of the sons of Eleazar than there were of the sons of Ithamar, and thus they were divided. Now listen, among the sons of Eleazar, there were 16 chief men of the house of their fathers, and eight among the sons of Ithamar, according to the house of their fathers. Now, I know this is hard to follow, but what you've got is 24 descendants here who fit the role of priest and their descendants. And then they're going to be listed for us. And then we have the order of their service. Now listen to verse 10. The second half of the verse says this, The eighth course to Abijah. 
And so the eighth course of service in the temple were those of the course of Abijah. I'm going to tie it together in a minute, I promise. Luke chapter 1 and verse 5 says, There was in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a certain priest whose name was Zechariah, and he was of the course of Abijah. And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah was of the eighth course, the course of Abijah. Of course, he is the father of John the Baptist. Now, if you drop down to Luke chapter 1 and verse 8, it says this. He executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. Now, the way that priests would practice these courses would be they would go for two weeks during the year, and I understand that they divided this up so that you had 24 weeks plus the feast weeks, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. And on the feast weeks, all of the priests would serve, and so they didn't count those. So otherwise, a priest would serve for one week, and then they would repeat the process a second time in the year. Zechariah is of the eighth course, the course of Abiah. And so... Because of the feast day, he would serve on the ninth week. You got all that? Everybody following all that? I know you don't. It's, it's hard to follow. This is what you get. If you start on the first month, which is the Hebrew month of Nisan, which corresponds to our month of March almost exactly, this is what happens. Zechariah is serving in the eighth week, and so he starts serving in May, probably early May. Now, you drop down to verse 9, and it says this, According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of priests were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah. For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and you shall call his name John. Now verse 23 says this, And it came to pass, listen carefully, As soon as the days of his service were accomplished, he went to his house, and his wife Elizabeth conceived. Now let's put it all together. This is what you get. The course of the priest begins in the month of March. The eighth course would be the ninth week. That puts Zechariah serving in May. As soon as he leaves from serving, he goes home and his wife gets pregnant. She is carrying John the Baptist. I want you to bear in mind, Jesus is conceived six months later than John the Baptist. That would put Jesus' conception round about the month of November. She then carries the Christ child for nine months. That puts his birth sometime around the month of August. That would explain why, by the way, that the shepherds are in the field and they're caring for the sheep. It's still warm weather at that time of the year. It fits perfectly. Now, do I know the date? I don't know the date. No one knows the date. I'm simply giving you an educated guess. There are some variables that we are not sure of, but I'll tell you this. There are four writers in the New Testament who describe the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Two of them don't even mention the birth of Jesus, and the two who do mention it 
say nothing at all about when Jesus was born. Now, you remember 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 says that through the Scriptures we have all things necessary for every good work. You remember that 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and yet there is no mention at all about the birth date of Jesus. Now, you might say, well, that, that's interesting, Don. I hear what you're saying, but how do you explain the fact that we've come to a point that people so tenaciously defend that Jesus was born on Christmas Day if we don't really know? Let's do some history. If you look this up in the encyclopedia, what you'll find is before Jesus came to this earth physically, people were already practicing midwinter festivals. The Mesopotamians, for example, they had a 12-day celebration in which they gave gifts to one another and they had feasting and they would worship their heathen gods. And in connection with their pagan gods, they would honor them and they would celebrate and the exchanging of, of gifts was part of this. Compton's Encyclopedia goes on to say that other nationalities did something similar. The Romans did this, the Egyptians did this, the Chinese did this. And this was all before the birth of Christ. And so what happens is, in about 325 A.D., the time of the emperor Constantine, the groups that would eventually become the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Roman Catholic Church, they put their heads together and they said, you know what, all of these pagan festivals are going on at this time of the year, and it just doesn't seem fit that our people, the, quote, Christian people, are being drawn into these festivals. And so we need to make an alternative for Christians. You know, it's kind of like some congregations will have a, a prom alternative. When I was growing up, the North Charleston Church would have a prom alternative so that the Christian young people would not go to the prom and the dances. And so they said, we're going to create an alternative. It's kind of like that. They said, we need an alternative to the pagan festivals. And so that's the idea. It had nothing whatsoever to do with the actual birthday of Christ. It had to do with celebrating a holiday to compete with, to give them another outlet instead of those pagan things. I've heard that originally when they created this holiday, it was 12 days long. It would begin on December 25th, and it would go until January the 6th, and eventually it was narrowed down to the 25th of December. Now, I started this point by saying, I love Jesus part of the way. Why did I say that? Because, you see, what has happened for a great number of people is their celebration of Jesus is narrowed down to one month of the year. And truth be told, speaking His name is 95% reserved for the month of December. Why do you think that is? Now, don't get me wrong. In our modern-day political climate where society forbids us to talk about the name of God and, and Christianity is downplayed everywhere, I think it's good and I enjoy hearing people speak the name of Christ and embrace Him at, at least in some way. People aren't ashamed of Jesus at this time of the year. But why is that true? Why is it true that in December people feel so comfortable about talking about Jesus? Listen to me. Ladies and gentlemen, the answer is we like the baby better. We really do. Now, why is that? Because babies can't talk. That's why. We don't want to hear him talk. We want to see him in a manger. 
We want to hear the angels sing, peace on earth and goodwill toward men, but we don't want to hear Him talk. Because when Jesus opens His mouth, He makes requirements for us. He restrains us from doing things that we like to do. Point number one is, I love Jesus in no way. That's Hanukkah. Point number two is, I love Jesus part of the way. That's Christmas. But that's never been enough. It is based on a facade. We don't know when Jesus was born. And attaching any kind of biblical significance to this time of the year is only the fertile imagination of the minds of men. That's all it is. We do not know when Jesus was born. Why not? Listen, the answer is because God didn't want us to know. I suppose he thought that if we knew, we'd do something like what we've done. Here is the last point. I don't know why the PowerPoint got out of whack the way it did. I didn't lay it out this way. But point number three is, I love Christ every day and in every way. You know, there are some wonderful things about this time of the year, but it's not a a holy time. Christmas is not a holy day. It's just a holiday. Now, my family practices Christmas, but we do it in the same way that we do Thanksgiving or the 4th of July. We attach to it no special significance of a religious nature. It's a traditional holiday, and that's all it is. Now, somebody might say, Don, I do not understand this. It seems like you don't love Jesus. But actually, just the opposite is true. We don't alter the way in which we speak the name of Jesus and serve the Lord. We love the Lord every month, every day of the year. It is just a part of everyday life. You know, you take a man who loves the Lord, a truly faithful Christian. He wakes up every morning with serving the Lord in his mind. How is the Lord going to bless me today? What kind of challenges am I going to face today? What kind of opportunities am I going to have today to advance the cause of Christ? And he enters into his day, and he faces many different issues, and he's going to face some ethical dilemmas. What's he going to do when he faces these things? He's going to say... What is the right thing to do in the sight of God? What will please God? He's going to face temptations. Maybe he's going to face the temptation to sin and to tell a lie. What's he going to do? He's going to think, I'm not going to do that. That would be wrong. I can't sin this way against my Lord. He's maybe going to face people who who need his help. And he's going to think, what can I do to help these people? You know why he's going to think that? Not because it's this time of the year but because that's what a servant of Jesus Christ does. And when he finishes his day, he's going to go to bed, and he's going to pray to God the Father through Jesus Christ. And do you know how that changes in the month of December? Do you know how the month of December is going to affect his persistent dedication to Jesus Christ? The answer is none. He will be the same in December as he is every other month of the year. Friends, the love of the Lord is not about a month of the year. It isn't about exalting his birth. It's about a lifestyle. I love Jesus every day and in every way. That's Christianity. Now, a couple of questions. Is it wrong to get together with your family and friends at Christmas and to eat and exchange gifts? No, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good and a fun thing to do as a holiday. Is it sinful to put up a Christmas tree? No. There's, in fact, we've already got ours up. The day after Thanksgiving, the, the tree goes up. Now, we don't have an angel on top. 
We don't have a star of Bethlehem to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We don't have a nativity scene at the bottom of it because that's not what it's about. Putting up a Christmas tree is not inherently sinful. Now, if it offends your conscience, don't do it. If it's going to give off the wrong impression, then we ought not to do it. That's why I think congregations make a huge error in judgment when they put a Christmas tree in their church building. Because as soon as they do that, it at least appears that they're attaching religious significance to it. And we don't want to do that. Today, we want to serve the Lord the same as we do every day. In the month of December, we're just about to enter in. We want to serve the Lord the same as we do every day. Today, if you're not a Christian, we want to give you that opportunity to become a child of God. The Bible teaches to become a Christian. What you need to do is hear the gospel, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Christ, and be baptized in water for the remission of your sins. Now, maybe you say, I have never heard that. I want to learn what to do. We would be delighted to have a Bible study with you. Maybe today you're ready. You've prepared yourself and you are ready to be baptized and make that confession, we are ready to assist you. Maybe you're here as a Christian and you desire the prayers of your brethren on your behalf. We would be delighted if we could go to God and pray for you. This morning, if you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, won't you come as together we stand and sing the invitation song?